Verdugo back to the pen. He oh. caught it. He took it back. He's doing everything right now. Hello and welcome to another edition of the TC and Company podcast. Tom Karen with you as we roll through a homestand at Fenway Park, a rematch of the ALCS from last year. Red Sox and Astros uh, wrapping things up and then a team that just missed out on the playoffs last year, the Seattle Mariners, coming to town for four. Uh, over the weekend, uh, Red Sox really trying to establish some sort of home field advantage uh, after losing nine out of their first 13 games at Fenway Park. Got a lot of games at Fenway coming up, just a little four-game trip to Chicago in the middle of a couple of elongated homestands. So this is really the opportunity to try to do something with that home schedule. Looking back at it, it's only four times in the last 20 years that the Red Sox have had a losing record at home and they did not make the playoffs in any of those four years. So Sox know they got to do a little something at Fenway. We'll see if maybe this is the homestand where it begins because it could get early late and the Red Sox don't want that to happen. We are uh, going to be joined by Matt Strom, the uh, Red Sox reliever who has wowed everybody with his hair, his uh, card collection, and more importantly, his pitching, uh, higher and higher leverage situations. <clears throat> that interview's coming up in a few moments. But uh, we're introducing a new segment here on the show to begin. Uh, to, in an effort to be more podcasty, as we talked about last week with Will Noonan, the comedian, who was a lot of fun, uh, we are trying to uh, hit some topics other than uh, the obvious stuff and other than uh, whatever we get into with the interview subject each week. So to do that, we are bringing aboard a multimedia talent at uh, Nesson, Tyler Baronski. I'll call you a producer, Tyler. I'll take that title too, TC. But you, but you kind of do more than that. I try to. I try to kind of, you know, hint in uh, a little bit of every thing here at Nesson and uh, some other avenues outside of here. But uh, it's good to be on with you. Um, Is it? It is. Are I you sure? You were getting, I thought you were getting a little lonely here in this first yeah. segment. You know, you bring on your friend for the second segment. You <laughs> yes. got all these buddies the around that's here. That's the, the end company. Yeah, but this first part, you know, I think you need someone to hang out with. I do. Uh, you are now you are now the end company part of this. Absolutely, Congratulations. So. Ten years from now, it'll be TC and Tyler. <laughs> it'll take a long time. you got to negotiate. Yeah, i got to work things. to get my name in eventually. So what? Well, the idea is you are going to bring the hot topics. You're going to bring the heat each week. Try to get uh, you know the listener and and get us to really dig into the most pressing issues in baseball. On the a given the most important stuff too. So, so what right. do you got for us this week? Well, I think this week just start. It's going to start in our own backyard here at Fenway. Um, the other day, Steve Aoki, famous huh. DJ musician, yes. throws out the first pitch. Okay, nothing you know out of the ordinary. The only problem is he Chef Curry that his throw. <laughs> floater high up into the air and landed it almost into where the little um, sweet level over yeah, there. Almost um, got it up to the Dell EMC, whatever that is. Uh, it, you think it was intentional? I think it was absolutely intentional. Right? And that's why I, I can't put in, is it the worse than 50 cent? You Because know, was 50 cent? And you got to say 50 cent. Come on, I'm the old guy in this company thing. I was was mimicking the announcer if you watch back that video. 50 cent. I'll work on my pronunciation. 50 50 cent. But uh, but see, I don't feel 50 cent was intentional. And that's why I think that one's always going to be worse than Steve Aoki's. But but I don't think Steve Aoki wanted to throw it that high. I think it got away from I don't think so, but But if you look at the slow-mo. Did you see the conversation we showed? you got to watch the post-game show. That's where you learn everything about baseball. (laughs) Did you see the conversation, the video we had? 
somebody was pointing up, like showing him throw high. Well, I, it's I, like this if you listen film. to his conversation with Matt Barnes, he posts this on his YouTube channel, Chase oh, Bidio. Okay, good. He so you've done, some, you've, you've done some research. I watched a little bit, right. and he was taking Matt Barnes' advice. He said, I've thrown a couple first pitches in my life before. They didn't go too well. He said, I actually went short before. Yeah. So he said, ask Barnes, what would your advice be? He said, throw it high. Well, this now, is I don't the think he meant that high. No, this is the thing. So I've, and this is a true story from many, many, many years ago. Giselle Budchen, uh, before she was married to Tom Brady, yeah. Uh, came on the pregame show with with Dennis Eckersley and me, and our our, our legendary photographer uh, Steve De Silva is is smiling and shaking his head. Not this from story again, uh, from Stevie Eats fame. <laughs> so uh, the, the she comes on the show, and Dennis Eckersley, the Hall of Famer, tells her, she says at the end of the segment she goes, "Do you have any advice?" And X says, "Well, you want to throw it high because you're going to be stepping down off a mound, and most people spike it." So throw it high. So she comes up and launches it over everybody's head. Not not Aoki distance, but up high. I mean, really up sure. high. And uh, it was a bad throw. And, and the next day, she's on the Today Show. And and Egg doesn't like me to tell the story. But the next day, they're like they show it and they're like giving her a hard time. Mm. What happened? She goes, "Well, this this old these old guys told me to throw it up high." <laughs> Talk about me and Egg. Yeah. These old guys. Uh, so there you go. So that quite often you get the advice to throw high. And then you overdo it. And I think he went a little excess with it to maybe go the vi get the virality yeah, of it to show up on TMZ and the sure. bar stools of the world like That's he did right. to talk about on which Nets is and everyone's goal. Is that everyone's goal to be on the TMZ? Maybe, but the uh, bar we're talking about it right now yeah, on the TMZ Company podcast. So he, if that was his goal, he got it done. The only things I would also say why I think it was intentional too the way he threw it is because I know the guy's accuracy too. I don't know if you know his background, but I he's don't. known for throwing cakes into the stands at his show. Yeah, I had fans. no idea. That's his thing. I've seen videos of him throwing 30 feet out. So you're telling Literally me if I go to Steve Aoki's show, which I, I mm -hmm. likely won't, <laughs> but if I do, I might get hit in the face by a kick. Yeah, there's a great chance. And that's uh, that's what his thing's... Um, People pay to go fans. to this to get they hit get in the paid, face by a kick. They make signs. They wear a costume. They say, hit Steve me Aoki, with hit cake. me with a cake. And he does. And he has great accuracy. I've seen his follow through. He, right. I know this guy can... You know, you've convinced throw it me. With distance, you've so, convinced me. So uh, I think he's put on the show and it, it worked out. Have you ever thrown out a first pitch? I have actually a few years you ago. You have? Yeah, at, at um, independent league team, the Bridgeport Bluefish back in the day. I actually recorded myself throwing out the first pitch. They said that was the first time I had myself and women. You were doing a hand. selfie while you while threw, out threw out the, the first, first pitch. pitch. What's up, AC? <laughs> Joining us now is Alex Cora. Welcome to the have podcast. Have you ever thrown out a first pitch before? Not. <laughs> uh, did you see that last night? Did, did you see the. Oh yeah, Miami against Notre Dame. Yeah. Did you see the uh, Steve Aoki uh, throw well, last night? Up, break them all down. <laughs> that's <laughs> a fastball. That's way up, way up. There you go. That's your coaching uh, for the day. Yeah. Your tip. But that's, that a, that's a new segment. We'll have the Alex Cora pitching tip of the night. Oh, that was a nice surprise right there. There you go. You never know who's going to drop by. No, that's why it's really TC don't. and company. That's that was Alex Cora. That's a, you never know who's here. No, it's not Fenway. It's the podcast. Yeah, okay, yeah. People come well, to, to the us. podcast. He, he he did. The that's what I'm saying. They the come to the podcast. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you threw out a first pitch that was a few in years Bridgeport, ago. and how did that go? It was good. While you were taking a selfie. I was taking a selfie, and that was my fray. I was like, am I going to risk being the person that takes the selfie, but I bounce it. But no, it worked out. I no complaints there. I threw out a first pitch at Hadlock Field before Sea Dogs game, humble brag, <laughs> and uh, it was my bobblehead night, also a humble brag. Uh, and I and, and the okay. thing is, That's a real yeah, bobblehead night. This is this is a fir ultimate first world story. I I complained, <laughs> but they send you a diagram, they send you a, like an image yeah. of your bobblehead, 
And I said it back and said, no, I, I don't like it. Get more hair. I want what? my wife's like, are you, you're, you're complaining, complaining about, about your bobblehead. I mean, if that isn't first one, but, <laughs> but the thing about, I don't know if they did this in the independent league, but the thing about a minor league first pitch is they're out on the field already. So the pitcher was standing on okay. the mound behind me. Like he's got business to tend to. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm mucking up the front of his mouth. It also allowed me to not go up on the rubber. Because he was there, so I just, well, I, I would have gone, okay. but I could, yeah. yeah. So I did the Kimbrel, I did like the dangling <laughs> elbow arm, and, yeah. he, and he was by me, he was, God, I can't remember his name now, he got called up last year, he was here last couple of years, he was a, a bit starter, a uh, guy from the Northeast, he's not with the organization oh, anymore. Uh, what was his name? He was a starter, uh, oh, this is awful, anyway. Uh, we'll figure that out later. Yeah. You're the producer. You're yeah. supposed to answer these questions. But he was behind me, and I could hear him. Just, and I'm doing the Kimbrel, and I could hear him behind me, like, ugh, like, just, come on, dude. I got, I got stuff to do here. Well, and then he get called up like three weeks later, and I was here at the clubhouse, and he was like, yeah, here, yeah, welcome. Well, yeah. did you see the other day? Max Scherzer on the mound. They're supposed to have a first pitch yes. with the Mets. Yes, that was awesome. And you're right, it was kind of all business. Yeah. Scherzer on the mound. He never threw. He never threw it. The, the first dude pitch. never got Stevie D. Did you see this? The guy was out to throw his first pitch, and Max Scherzer was having none of it. It was his time. Scherzer came out of the mound, like, and the dude's standing two feet off the mound to go throw his ceremony first pitch, and, like, somebody has to come out and pull him up. Like, no, you're not going to get to throw out your first pitch. Max Scherzer is ready to start the game. Uh, you don't get to do that. Uh, all right, so topic number one was the, uh, was the uh, first pitch that went horribly wrong. What else you got right. this week? Um, I want to touch on the Reds and Pirates game. Uh, the that? Reds, they just can't have nice things. They almost did. Almost yeah. did uh, with Hunter Green throwing uh, seven one thirds of a no header, uh, one hundred eighteen pitches. They I pull know. him out because um, he walks the first guy or first. Yeah, I don't think first two guys. First guy and um, <laughs> yeah, he's Pirates, out right away. They, but right the away. Pirates win the game without a hit. Right. It doesn't go as a no hitter because they never pitched the bottom of the ninth, mm -hmm. and and so everything got turned on its side. The, the Reds lose the no hitter. Uh, they lose the game. Mm -hmm. And the Pirates, now this could be a whole new wave of analytics. A new way to win games is to try not to get a hit, try not to get but it. win the game. Yep, this is where we're going. This is where the game is going. Yep, you just let the Reds pitchers walk you time after time again. But um, what, what, what can your reaction be for both teams after a game like that? You can't celebrate if you're the Reds, right. even though you threw them a hit, right. no hitter. And if you've got some sort of integrity if you're the Pirates, you're not celebrating after well, that game either. You think so. about the Red Sox game in Tampa, right? Earlier in the year, they were no hit through nine innings, and mm -hmm. if the Rays had just scored a run, they would have had a no hitter. Absolutely, but instead, yeah. uh, well, I don't want to go because Red Sox lost that game <laughs> in the 10th. We don't have to go in there. All right, one more. Everything in baseball is threes. Three up, three down. So give me a third topic this week. Uh, I'll Give a little love to, to uh, Red Sox fans in the rain the other day. Um, <laughs> it was rowdy, and actually J.D. Martinez referenced it um, after the Sox won against Houston that really, you know, what kept them motivated, what kept them into it after an almost two-hour rain delay, I think it was one yeah. thirty-eight was the official a rain delay time. It was the rowdy fans that were in it, and, uh, you know, that's what you kind of get here at Fenway. You got people that stay, you know, a few beers in, and uh, they're kind of rowdied up. And Games after rain delays are the best because when there's 35,000 people at Fenway, you do not hear one of them. When there's 30 people at Fenway, you hear every single <laughs> one of them. And, and that's exactly – Trevor Story joked about it in the clubhouse after the mm -hmm. game. That's exactly what they were talking about. Like, they're a little overserved. They're a little agitated. Agitated. And uh, you better not blow that game. It's, it's easier to blow a game before 35,000 people because they're just screaming. But if you blew that game last night, each and every one of those guys would have mm -hmm. undressed you yeah. verbally. I got to say, I've been on the flip side before as a fan coming here with my friends in high school. I've come here, 
you get the rain delay, but we commit. I'm from Connecticut originally, so we're committed to being here. So we're gonna stay as long right. as possible. Oh, so I get it. Sure. I get it from all yeah. these fans' perspective. Like, Absolutely. Especially you coming to Fenways, you know. Well done for your first time. Well so done, I, those I of you it. who on a Monday night had nothing yeah. better to do than sit through an hour and <laughs> forty really minutes of rain <laughs> delay, uh, and just to hell with work tomorrow. You're not gonna go well, to work on Tuesday morning. I saw a lot of tweets morning. yesterday. People just being like. I'm at the game, but they're like, I'm staying. Even though I got to wake up at 4.35, 6 a.m. tomorrow, you know, I'm staying. Luckily, most all, of them so. then go sit behind home plate, and they didn't stay right behind us in the studio because that's, that's true, yeah. when something could happen. Yeah. All right. Well, that's week one cool. of uh, the end company uh, being you. So congratulations. Thanks, DC. Well Appreciate done. it. It's a week-to-week contract. We'll see how it goes <laughs> next week. Uh, our, our headliner this week, the reliever, Matt Strom. Interesting guy, and he's really become one of the more important relievers on this staff, uh, but he's more than just a pitcher. He's an interesting guy who's gotten into the memorabilia and the card world and uh, uh, a fun guy to talk to. So here's a conversation with Matt Strom as we roll on at the TC and Company podcast. All right, Matt, uh, you've been here a little while now. We're whatever, five, six weeks into the season. Uh, it kind of feels like Boston likes you. You know what I mean? Like you're resonating. You're an emotional guy out there. You wear your heart on your sleeve a little bit, and the fans love that. Have you felt that? Have you felt the connection with the crowd? I mean, I definitely feed off the energy of the crowd, and it's, uh, it's been unreal here at Fenway. And uh, like I said, it, it makes it easier with the energy they bring. And like I said, I pitch with that energy. So, I mean, it's, it's been a great fit so far. You know, we're, you may have figured out we're a little full of ourselves here in New England, all right? The hub, as we call it, which means the hub of the universe, yeah. which is what that means. Uh, but we think we're special. We think this is a special baseball town. Is it different? You've been around this game in a lot of different cities. Is Boston, is Fenway different from other baseball experiences? Yeah, I would. I mean, I can remember back in 2016 when I came here as a visitor with Kansas City, and it's just walk out on this field and you're just, I mean, words are taken from you it's it's there's so much history in this ballpark and then I mean the dedication this fan base has to this team and how much they hang on every pitch with all of us it's just I mean it's unmatched across the league I've played I've played I've been fortunate enough to play in every big league stadium and there isn't one that I mean there's Fenway and then there's a gap and then there's other places plus for all the renovations they've done they haven't touched the visitors club like, the, the intimidation <laughs> still the same, is still there still right? the same, yeah. that's the same place that you know exactly. a, a Yankee pitcher in the 60s yep. would try to get out yep. but it's funny because I think when you look at Yankee Stadium do you ever get to the old Yankee Stadium I never did as no, a fan or no. so like you know, that was intimidating. Yeah. You know what I mean? You came out of like, right. and you're thinking like, my God, Mickey Mantle playing yep. here, you know? And and I think you lost a little of that. It's a great stadium, right. but it's palatial yeah. for the visitor. You know, here, there is still a little intimidation as a visitor. Yeah, and it, like I said, I mean, just the, the history of this place, like you walk in as a, as a visitor, I was able to go into the Monster and sign it, and you just see all the legends that were here before you, and to, to be able to walk on the same field that they did, it's just, again, there's no words to describe it. It's just... It's an unbelievable feeling, and I'm just super happy I've been able to do it. If I recall, lefty here with Kansas City, David Ortiz, you're probably coming in to get him, and I yep. think you did, right? I did, Double yeah. play? Yep, but it was about like 112 <laughs> off the bat or something like that. Right at something. <laughs> yes, yep. But but what's, you know, you kind of probably know as that game's rolling on that there's going to be a David Ortiz at bat you're coming in for. What was yeah. that like? Yeah, actually, I remember that day like it was yesterday. Uh, the phone rang, and they said next time – through Strom, you have Ortiz, and it was like, all right. And as I'm warming up, bases started filling up, and it's like, dang, they're gonna be loaded when we get to Ortiz. And sure enough, they were, but it went in my favor. So that's the one and only at bat I've had against them, and. 
hopefully get to shake his hand and talk to him about it one day. So. You said, in your mind, Fenway here, everything else. Did that factor into the decision? Because a lot of teams were in on you. Was that part of why you chose Boston? Yeah, I mean, also, too, just watching this team last year and seeing how tight tight knit they all felt and just they they seemed to be having fun you know i mean there's one thing i want to do in my career and that's win a world series and i mean they were very close to it last year and i mean i know where we sit right now but this team is very talented and we just need to get out of this little rut and once once the ball starts going our way we're going to be a we're going to be a dangerous team to mess with so you know where we sit you can't avoid it right? yeah, I know, standing I know. So it's right there, right there every day bullpen's not right a bad there. place to yeah, be during yeah, a game yeah, you have yeah. to look at it when you're down there has it been put to the test is is the tight knit spirit of this team still intact yeah i mean obviously when you're when things aren't going your way it's it's hard to do but like i said just the how close everyone seems and like just the day-to-day -day conversation the guys keep it loose and i mean i feel like i've been on this team for a year already and it's been only what'd you say six weeks so you know it's it's a it's an awesome group and like i said we just need to break out of this little rut get the ball to bounce our way a couple times and and we're gonna be we're gonna be good yesterday alex really for kind of the first time laid out a little bit i know you're not in the media briefing yeah, but he yeah. kind of laid out a little bit of where you guys are at as far as who's going to come in and what innings and you know he's talking about you eighth ninth inning uh, what does that mean to you? I mean, you knew as you were building towards it, but to have him come out and sort of say, you know, match drama is a really important part of yeah. a late inning mix. What does that mean? I mean, it's cool that he says it, but he knows it doesn't matter to me. I've told him I don't care. I, I joke with him all the time. I'm a starter too, so if he wants me to take the ball in the first, I can. But, uh, you know, whenever, whenever AC calls my name, I mean, what I love about this bullpen is every time that phone rings, you got all eight of us grabbing the neck of our sweatshirt ready to go in. So... Um, I don't need to be told what inning or anything like that. I'm, I'm going to give you 100% of match drama every time I tell that rubber. I feel relievers especially, and I, I feel like we're getting to a point in the game where we're going to stop using that term. Yeah. Right, starters and relievers, because yeah. they're almost. Well, I know, just call myself a pitcher. Yeah. yeah. Well, I said that a couple yeah. years ago on the air, and people looked at me like I was nuts. I said, we're not far away from nope. guys who are just going to be pitchers. Yep. Some will start, some won't. Yep. And if you're starting one inning, does that even really matter? You know, just another stat. It depends on if you're in arbitration, then yeah, it matters. That's a good point by <laughs> you. See, the player always thinks about the money. It's part of it. But, you know, certain guys, like you take a Garrett Whitlock when he was coming out of the pen, you can't – it looks like he doesn't have a pulse. Right. Then we got a guy like you who comes out kind of firing. Yeah. There's different ways to approach it, but I think the key, right, is staying the same, right. whether it's fifth inning and a five-run lead or ninth inning and a one-run lead. Yeah, is that a also, challenge at, at times for you at all, to be the same in different roles? I think the, 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 the bigger challenge, not so much the roles, but it's when things aren't going your way, to still be that fiery guy on the mound when you look back and you got a six ERA. You know, it's, it's, it's tough to be that way, but, you know, as long as you can just – you know who you are. Like like you said, Garrett is a, a calm, cool, and collective guy. And if he stays that way, he's going to have success. For me, I feed off the energy of what's going on around me. And I got I to gotta keep that in my repertoire to just keep going and do my thing. You ever wish you could be more like that? Like, <laughs> I, like I'm kind of on the air. I'm kind of a fired yeah. up guy. And sometimes like, man, I wish I could just be one of those calm, mellow broadcasters. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's got its advantages. But, uh, you know, I grew up in a very competitive family. So I feel like I've been that way since since I could remember. You grew up in North Dakota. Yep. You got hockey hair. Were you a <laughs> hockey fan at all in North Dakota? Uh, I was a fan of watching hockey. I never played hockey. I grew up in a basketball family, so hockey was never really an avenue that I explored. Um, but, you know, University of North Dakota up yeah. there, they're, they're fun to watch growing up. And, uh, did you go to games? I did go it's to games It's an amazing arena. It's one of the best arenas in the country. Yeah, my uncle was a season ticket holder, and occasionally my cousin would invite me up there and we'd go. So it was, uh, it was a blast as a young kid being up there watching hockey, but... 
hockey on TV isn't the same as hockey no. in person. So yeah. it's I do I do our college play by play in the winter, the bean pot and BC okay. and BU here and stuff. People don't understand like they're the pro franchise in North Dakota. Oh yeah. Like in the winter, yes. that is as yep. big as college hockey gets. Oh yeah, it's unreal. Like I mean, it was unfortunate they got their nickname taken away. That was kind of is what it is, but that that stadium, they still have some of the the original logos and everything that yeah. are beautiful in there. And they have like, them in the seats, like uh, yeah, the and Engelstad they're, or they're, they're able to. Apparently, they're able to keep them in the seats, but when they have to replace the seat, they're not allowed to put a new one in. Interesting. So, all right. Um, okay, so you, you get through the knee injuries and and you got this sort of audition. Yeah. But you had to wait for the lockout. Yeah. Right. Did that end up being a good thing? Like you had more time, maybe yeah. than guys looking at you. For yeah, that earlier? was definitely definitely beneficial for me. Um, I mean, if there was never a lockout, I would have. I don't know what I would have done. I mean, I I always gamble on myself, so I would have wanted to wait as long as possible. But it definitely helped me get healthy and be able to show teams that I was ready to do whatever they needed me to do. And it just, yeah, the cards fell where they did. What are those like? Like, I've talked to different guys who've had showcases and bullpens. Yeah. And, you know, if you wake up not uh, not feeling it that day, yeah. it doesn't matter. I mean, right. it, but it's kind of like a game. But in a game... Sometimes you can sort of fake the adrenaline, right? right yeah. From the from the atmosphere. Yeah. What's that atmosphere like? You're throwing a bullpen in front of 18 guys. Yeah, I mean, when I showed up there, I was I was anticipating maybe like four to eight people, and there was probably only like six guys there. When so the facility doesn't have a place where you can long toss in it. You got to go out in the alley, and then you're playing catch in the desert. So my brother and I walked out to the desert, and there's probably six scouts there. Warmed up, did all this whatever. And then as I walked back in, it was like full house. And it was like, that just kind of got my adrenaline going. And it was like, okay, here we go. And I mean, this is my job, this is my livelihood. So, I mean, there was a lot riding on it and it wasn't it wasn't too hard for me to get up and get going. Happened pretty quickly after that? Oh yeah. yeah, I mean, I threw the bullpen at noon and I don't think my phone quit ringing until midnight it was it was unreal so it was it was awesome when it came together with boston and like you said knowing what you knew of fenway how psyched were you to know you were coming here yeah i mean i was super pumped i mean i say it every day just walking into my locker and seeing that jersey hanging in my locker it's it's a childhood dream i mean growing up it was the minnesota twins and then yankees and red sox like that was baseball to me were those three teams so to be able to be a boston red sox it's unreal and you come in there's you know this team will always have veteran guys yep. and and you know you got a rich hill and in florida you got a chris sale over there and a yep. james pax and a Derek holland i mean you got guys who've yes. all been 10 plus years what what did you learn off them i mean you always learn as you go along and you had guys in san diego i'm not saying you did yeah, yeah, yeah. but you know you're surrounded by guys who've been through a lot yeah. and been through adversity not just guys who've oh, had yeah. it easy their whole time right. so what was that experience like yeah i mean i'm always i mean i'm sure guys will tell you i probably talk too much always asking questions just i mean i love hearing about other people's experiences what works for them what's helped them get through things uh, Rich, before I even knew him, he's been an idol of mine forever. I mean, the dude came back at 36 as a starter and just dominated and signed like a, what was it, a $50 million contract right. or something like that. And I've actually, I've told him, I've used him in in interviews in years past saying about being a starter or reliever, and I say, I'll Rich Hill it if I have to. I'll come back at 36. I'm, I'm not getting rid of any of my pitches. All pitching coaches always try to get me to mix one of my breakers instead of two of them, and it's like, nah, I'm going to be a starter one day, so I just got to keep that there. Still so, a prospect. I mean, you've got your four-pitch guy, and, yeah. and you're coming in late in the game. Have, have guys along the way, have teams tried to say, no, 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 you're a reliever, you go two, get your two best pitches. Like, has that been something that you've had to hold on to because that's who you are? Yeah, I've been pretty stubborn with it. Um, when I first got into Kansas City, I was fastball, curveball. I was kind of just two-pitch guy. 
and then they wanted me to work on a slider, and then they liked the slider and wanted me to ditch the curveball, but my curveball is my pitch that, I mean, I could throw for a strike with my eyes closed, I feel like, most of the time, so that's just a pitch I'll never get rid of, no matter what analytic people tell me or anything. It's just, it's a pitch I'm going to carry on throughout my career, and I mean, I'm always growing. I'm always messing around with it. I mean, the first three weeks of the season, I was messing around with the splitter just because, but I mean, Jeb came up to me and told me, eh, analytically, maybe let's work on something else. So I was like, all right, well, ditch that. Is it is it different in the bullpen during a game? Like a starter will get to kind of play with everything and see what he's yeah. got. How do you do that in the limited time you get? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's a quick decision usually. So um, I go through my warm up routine down there, which is pretty quick, but you get a quick feel of which one you have, whether it's your curveball, slider, change up. And then uh, once you get into the game, I mean, you just got to kind of I rely a lot on Vasky and Plaw back there. so You don't shake anybody off? Uh, very rarely. Uh, I've started to a little bit more. Just, I mean, just because I'm new to these two and they haven't worked with me much, but I, I have my ways of what I like to do. I'm not big into pitching to a scouting report. I like to pitch to my strengths. I kind of fight fire with fire kind of thing. But, uh, you know, once, once you just got to kind of decide. It's like I don't have my curveball or I don't have my slider. It's like, here we go. So it's just seat of the pants. I should know this. Are you using Pitchcom? Yes. Yep. You like it? I love it. Love it. You know, Will Middlebrooks had an interesting comment the other day. He said, the pitcher should have one. Yeah. Like, to, it might be easier. I agree. You don't have to shake off. You I can agree. just say, you know, let the catcher call it. I agree. But you could reply, no. Yeah. I want this. I agree. Yeah. Right? Yeah. No, but no I, problems with it? No hiccups? No, You've nothing. Been good? Nothing. It's been is awesome. It, are you faster at all because of it? Or I feel like you're it pretty is. fast I anyway? feel like it is because, like, once you throw the pitch, as you're walking back to the mound, Vasky can give you what he wants for the next pitch before you even tow the rubber. So it speeds the game up a little bit, keeps you in rhythm. Um, I know hitters have not liked it. They right. seem to step out a lot more and right. just feel like they're getting rushed, which, I mean, is, is a good thing for That's us. Good. Yeah, I think it's the great, best innovation I've seen in 20-plus yeah. years of doing this. The only thing I don't like about it is it's technology, and technology's hackable. Right. And I say, so I said this on the air, and I'll say it again. Yeah. I mean, they should have, like, the death sentence for anyone 100%. who gets caught breaking into that. 100%. Like, what, it banned from baseball for life. Because yep. the last thing this game needs is a yep. pitch calm controversy in two years, 100%. and the fans are going to roll their eyes and, and yep. be done with it. Exactly. So you got to totally get this agree. right. Yeah. All right. We agree on that. Uh, i got to ask about the baseballs. We've been yep. spending this whole year talking about the baseballs. Hitters say they're not flying. And it does seem like when you watch it on TV especially – I don't know how many balls are off the bat. I mean, Paul, yeah. Verdugo, I've got him for nine home oh, runs yeah. already, right? Oh, yeah. And they're dying on the warning track. As a pitcher, does it feel different at all? Yeah. Yeah, the, I mean, the inconsistency is the most upsetting part. Like, you'll get one that feels like you're back in college with high seams, and then you'll get another one that feels like an actual big league baseball. Um, I know Trev even mentioned it to me the other day when he got a ball back, threw it back to me, and he's like, dude, this one feels really hard. It's like it does, but those are the ones I feel like I can spin. So it's kind of, again, fight fire with fire. But, uh, you know, that's one thing that's just disappointing is the inconsistency. I mean, we're 1% athletes out here competing at the highest level. You think at least they'd be able to get that right and something consistent. So I, I really think, I, I don't know why they haven't gone to synthetic baseball. I mean, Japan, they, you know, and they, I don't know if you ever see it, like they cut oh, open yeah. the baseball at the beginning of the year and they say, yep. here's what it is this year. Yep. It's a little tighter, it's a little looser, it is what it yeah. is. But they can manipulate it because they make the baseball yep. instead of sewing up yep. rawhide. And, yep. You know, it's no, crazy. yeah, I mean. I've seen baseballs that almost look like they're still dented after being yeah. hit. Yeah. It's crazy. No doubt. I mean, it's, again, it's it's upsetting, but we've been barking up the tree for four or five years about it. and. 
Well, it's the inconsistency, right? Yeah. Because you're pitching a certain way, yes. and all of a sudden you get the Titleist back in your hand, yep. and now you don't know yep. where it's going to go. Yep, and it's just, yeah. If they can figure out a way to have something, I mean, obviously nothing's perfect in this world, but if you throw these every day, you'd be very upset with them. Right, right. Uh, the hair, I got to ask about the hair. Uh, when did, I mean, I've, I've heard, what, was 2017 yep. when yep. you sort of went for Were you like a clean-cut, short-haired guy as a kid? Uh, growing up, I kind of had the quote-unquote hockey hair, shaggy hair or whatever, um, but never really long hair. My brother grew the long hair when he was in high school, and he would always get on me to grow my hair out, but I was at a college where we had a clean-shaven rule, and then I got drafted by the Royals. They had a clean-shaven rule. And then when I got traded from the Royals, it was like, all right, I'll grow my hair out. And it was like, I just let it go, and I haven't looked back since. It's funny, Johnny Damon was, you know, who I covered here, was one of my favorite players to cover. And it's just really weird to go back and see him in Kansas City oh, yeah. when he was like the boyish, yep. you know, really short yep. hair. Uh, my, in full disclosure, my son's 25, and he's got way longer really? than you. Yeah, he's in Love a rock it. band and stuff. Love so I'm like, it. go for it, you know. But Love it. everybody's cool. Like, was there ever, like, your parents ever give you that? Come on, trim it up. No, actually, bit. both my parents uh, have their beautician license. So oh, cool. my dad's the one that trims it and keeps it nice. How yeah. often do you trim it? Uh, like, once every, I don't know, three to five months. Just right. depends on when Give I Give me a favor. Paths. Could you say, hey, Jack, trim your hair once in a while. <laughs> Could you just, hey, Jack, get a little trim. <laughs> Cle clean up the it. ends. Just clean it up yeah, a little Yeah, just clean up the ends He's getting bit. married in August. I think he'll clean it up. That's my guess. We'll see how that goes. Uh, and last thing, the cards. Uh, it's so fun. You got the YouTube yes. channel. Uh, do you still do the thing for Bally? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually just that? shot one this morning. Cool. So, yeah. How'd you get into it? So, in 2018... I think it was the off season after the 18. My brother moved in with me down in Arizona. He was drafted by the Giants, and my brother is an entrepreneur. He just does everything, and he was flipping cards doing it. And one day coming home, there was a Target right next to Peoria Sports Complex, and I swung in there, and they had boxes of cards, and I grabbed one and brought them home. And after opening that, it was like I was 10 years old again, and I just needed to go get another one and another one and another one. And it worked out kind of good because I would just take whatever card I wanted to keep and keep it, and then I'd give the rest to my brother, and he'd go pedal them, and then it'd be like, all right, well, once you're done pedaling those four boxes, just buy me one more box, and then you can keep the rest of whatever. So it was, it was something I got back into with my brother. And then in 2020, when COVID happened and the shutdown and all that, no fans were allowed, Phil Hughes had his own YouTube channel going, and I bounced the idea off him of opening cards in stadiums, and he said it would be a great idea and got, people would love it. So I started doing that in 2020 when fans weren't allowed because I, I love the interaction down the, down the foul line with fans, signing cards, talking cards with them, and kind of miss that in 2020. So I started the YouTube channel. And after that, uh, the producer of The Card Life saw my YouTube channel, and he asked me to be the host of his show. And I was like, you want me to talk about cards and you're going to pay me? Like, I already throw a baseball for a living. Now I get to talk about cards, too. Like, I Life got, is good. Got, yeah, Life I got two pretty great good. jobs. So it was, uh, it was awesome. I love that. And, and they had the really, you guys were on the road, but they had a great uh, card show here yeah, uh, over that. the weekend. And it's, it's just so cool how the, the whole industry has kind of been revitalized. Yes. It, you know, it was dusty VFW halls right. back in the yes. day, right? Now yep. it's like a rock star show. Yeah, no, they're, I mean, they're growing rapidly. And, uh, you know, we're the... The one thing that is upsetting a little bit is the prices of all these cards are going through the roof and it's kind of driving kids out, but I mean, it is it is bringing the hobby back to life with the mid-20s to late-30 guys and it's it's fun. You still get guys who took you deep 
to sign a card? So I don't get them to sign. I try hunt down one of the. Oh, I see. One that they've already signed. Okay. I don't want to. Because that's wanna, a little weird. Yeah, I don't. I, the one thing I don't do, I don't send cards over to the other side to get signed by other guys. I have my teammates sign them. So cards to me, don't. They're not. I'm not in it for the money value of a card. I'm in it. Cards. My cards tell a story. Like when you look through my cards, you'll see in Austin Davis minor league card since tops hasn't given him a big league card yet which we need to get tops all over that yeah he's got he's got plenty of innings in the show everyone should have a big league card but uh it's really funny tops so 2020 2019 to 2020 uh, tops did like uh characters of of baseball yeah, yeah, or yeah. whatever like one person yep. they, and i got to i was the red sox so oh, tops sweet. did a card for me and it was opening day yet it's COVID. Right, so by the time it came oh, out, and it's an, the other part, this is first world problems, okay? Yeah. But it's an awful picture. It's just awful <laughs> because Nesson had just changed the logo. Okay. And like every picture of me was holding the old logo, yeah. and Nesson said, yeah, you can't do the old logo. Uh, so they, anyway, whatever. You, you yeah. know, one thing I've learned, my wife said, listen, never complain about a card. Never complain yeah. about a bobblehead. My, just, I know. think it was my 2019 card. I got my belt on upside down. <laughs> so it's like first world problems again, First world there. problems. Yeah. Do you have a bobblehead? I don't have my own bobblehead, no. Are we doing one here? I don't know. I mean, I'm down. We got to get one with the hair, <laughs> like down, one, yeah. like a chia. We got to yeah, do a chia. So they did. They do some unique stuff here. Maddie's over here from from the Red Sox right now. We got to yeah. make this happen. So like when when Brock Holt was here, they had a pet Brock. It was a okay. pet Brock yeah, with yeah, his number cool. on stuff. So he's do like a chia <laughs> thing with the hair. That'd be sweet. That wouldn't I'd offend you. Would no, it? no, not at cool. all. Not at all. All right, there, Maddie. Did you hear that? You're 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 representing the Red Sox for a giveaway. We got to do like a chia pet where it grows his hair, <laughs> right? Make a note of that. Bring it up at your next meeting. You'll get a huge raise. I'm right here for on. you. See, we all help everybody. Yes. Uh, maybe not. Billy's laughing. No chance. Huge. All right. It was the huge raise. I got the laugh. Um, real quickly as we wrap it up. <clears throat> it hasn't been the start anybody wants. Uh, you know fans take it seriously yep. here. What do you say to the fans? Why believe in this team? Why believe this team will get there? I mean, just look what they did last year. Hang with us. I mean, it's... The AL East is a monster, but I mean, we got expanded playoffs, and if we get into them, we'll make some noise for sure. You can't look at that board. No, don't Just look don't at look it. Just don't look at the board. One day at a time, yep. chip away. Uh, it was really cool catching up. I appreciate the time. Of course. Thanks for having me. Matt Strom with us uh, here this week's uh, edition of the TC and Company podcast. Check us out online. Thanks for uh, subscribing, and we'll see you again next week.